Hello, welcome to Angular Air. This is the first episode with our brand new panel. We're really excited to have the panel um, to help improve the future shows that we have. And uh, so, yeah, well, let's uh, let's go ahead. I'll introduce uh, you to the our new panel, and everybody can say a quick hi. I'll give a couple announcements, and then we'll get into our show. So, uh, first we have Olivier Kuhn. Hi. Is that right? Did I say your name right? Is it Kuhn? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Kong? Okay, listen carefully. It's Olivier Combe. Olivier Combe. Yeah. Okay. I got this. Um, okay, so then we have uh, Kara Erickson. Hello. Amy Knight. Hello. And Scott Moss. Yo. What's up, everybody? And uh, Todd couldn't make it to the show today, um, but he is also a panelist, Todd uh, Motto. And Pascal Pricht. <laughs> Hello there. Also wrong, by the way. Oh, man. I'm so bad. Uh, I for the show. Um, and uh, Carmen uh, Popovic. There we go. Oh, that was good. That was good. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, and then, as always, I'm your host, Kent C. Dodds, um, and I'm, yeah, love you guys. This is great. So um, before we get into our, our actual show, I'm just going to go through a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first off, um, so Google Moderator, which is the tool that we use for question and answer for our shows previously, it's getting uh, end of life. Um, Google just decided that we're not important enough, I guess. <laughs> Sad day. But... Uh, so oh, no. we're no longer using that. Um, yeah, we're, we're transitioning to um, the Q&A app in Hangouts, which hopefully will just be a better experience anyway. So the, um, the problem with the... Until they get rid of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so ho hopefully they keep this. But uh, yeah, so you can only ask your questions live. Uh, so if you're watching live. Um, through the Hangouts app. So if you're watching on YouTube and you want to ask a question, I'm pretty sure you have to just go to the Hangout on uh, Google+. But uh, if you want to ask questions before a show, then you can just uh, post them in the comments of the of the event. And I, I think unless we get like tons and tons of questions, that should be just fine. So um, yeah, so that's a quick announcement there. And then we also, um, our, our next show is next week on uh, April 28th, same time, same place. Uh, and we're going to be joined by Jeff Welpley, Patrick Stapleton, and Rob Wormold um, about Angular 2 Alpha. And uh, I don't know if you played with, around with Angular 2, but it is awesome. And so, yeah, we're going to have a good time next week um, talking with some of the guys who've done a lot of work with Angular 2 already. Uh, and these are just community members. They're not members of the, the Angular core team. So it'll be a good show. Um, and then, as always, follow us on uh, Google Plus and Twitter to keep up to date with the latest shows. And uh, our website is ng-air.github.io. And uh, that's our announcement. So let's go ahead and get into the main content of our uh, our show today. So um, uh, this show is uh, simply to introduce uh, our viewers to the the panel, and so we get to know um, those uh, awesome developers who are going to be on our shows in the future. Um, and also, we're going to be talking about some Angular horror stories and pro tips. So that should be kind of fun um, from these uh, awesome community members who have probably some interesting horror stories and pro tips. So great. Um, so 
just by way of introduction, we'll start off uh, with Pascal. Um, so if you, everybody's going to just talk talk about like where you live, where, where you work, um, what you do, and uh, how the community might know you, uh, how you got into software development and, and Angular and, and that kind of thing. So take it away, Pascal. Okay, so uh, hi there. Um, yeah, so my name is Pascal Precht, by the way. And uh, I live in Hanover, Germany. And I work at um, a company, a startup in Hanover, and I run my own company um, called ThoughtRam. We uh, run workshops and uh, write articles about Angular and Git. And um, the community might know me from the Angular Translate uh, project, which enables internationalization um, for Angular applications. And um, so, yeah, how long um, have I been doing software development? I think it's now since around seven or eight years or something. So I first made, it, first made an apprenticeship here in Germany, and then I jumped right into uh, a proper job, and then the next job, and, and I'm currently doing my current job. And yeah, um, and I think like over, like, a bit over three years ago, I stumbled upon AngularJS and, and started working with it and playing around with it and um, also introduced it um, at the company where I was working for. And um, I used it in a couple of projects and, 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 and built my own libraries and, and extensions. And um, yeah, so now I'm, yeah, part of the community uh, and I'm very happy about it because it's a very nice community. and. Uh, yeah, that's actually pretty much it. I don't have, I don't really have any Angular horror stories to tell, but um, we'll, there's we'll cover, the, uh, we'll cover the horror stories and pro tips after everybody's introduced themselves. So okay. you have a cool. little bit of time uh, to think about it if um, if you want. So awesome. Cool. Thanks, Pascal. Um, so Carmen, why don't we go with you next? Okay, sure. Um, cool. So. Oh, what was the first question? <laughs> so where, where do you live and where do you work? Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Um, so I originally come from Romania, uh, but I currently live in Amsterdam. Uh, I work at ING, at the bank. Um, I'm part of a really cool team there called Fruit Loops. Um, I started working with Angular around three years ago. I was at the, uh, also at a startup. And uh, my one of my colleagues um, like ran into ran into Angular, and well, we were looking for a solution on the front end, and then he said, "Okay, we should give it a try," and we did, and yeah, like everybody really liked it, so we went along with it. It was really cool. I think it was uh, it was one of the best decisions <laughs> anybody took that affected me in such a positive way. <laughs> So yeah, I'm so I'm so grateful to uh, Hugo, my colleague, who who made this choice. I'm so so happy. Like it really it it changed my life. It, it made me love uh, web development. It was really good. Yeah. Totally, and it's not just the framework, right? It's the community that comes with it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I don't even have words for the community itself. It's I don't know. It's it really makes me feel like it's a big family. There are so, so many awesome people. It's, it's, yeah, no words for that. It's really, really cool. Awesome. Thanks, Carmen. Uh, Scott, yeah. why don't we go with you next? Yeah, thanks. I'll take it over. KCD, or 
KCDD or <laughs> is it is it KCDD or KCD? Uh, KCD or you um, KCDC is how uh, Aaron Frost re uh, refers to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so a little more about me. Um, currently, right now, I live in Oakland, California. I'm an engineer at Udacity down in Mountain View, um, and I've been working with Angular for the last almost two years now. Uh, I was teaching Angular exclusively at a hack director coding school where I like designed the curriculum for Angular and like taught it every six weeks to like 60 engineers for like an entire year. So I got pr pretty familiar with it and we used it as our primary front end framework uh, entirely. So that was pretty cool. So I've kind of fell in love with it. I learned Angular from one of the, the best people in the community, Ari Lerner. He was the guy who taught me Angular. So that was pretty sweet. Learned a lot from that guy. Uh, mm -hmm. And did some work with him. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then I uh, also learned a lot from Patrick JS, who's going to be on the show next week. I'm actually in New Jersey with him right now. We're doing some work together. Uh, so, like, I've, I've learned a lot from these guys, and, like, I just fell in love with the framework. Uh, I guess the community can recognize me from, uh, I don't know, I guess if you went to Hack Director, you know me because I probably you've used my animation library. I think it's I think it's one of the, the mainly used ones. Or maybe from my talk at NGConf about Sasquatches. Uh, so that's me. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Scott. Um, all right, let's go with Amy. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's see. Start off, I live right now in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I am kind of new to here. Before that, I was in the South. I was in Nashville, and I went to a six-month programming boot camp there. Um, right now, I'm working in Baltimore at a company called Message Systems, and we're building a product called SparkPost, which is uh, sort of like SendGrid. You can send uh, emails through your application. We have a lot of really big clients, like Facebook and Twitter and stuff, use our software. Uh, I guess as far as community, um, I was recently on an episode of JavaScript Jabber, so I don't know if anyone listens to that. You might have heard my story there, and I guess you could say I'm kind of known as like the figure skater that <laughs> went into software development. Uh, <laughs> not, not just a figure skater, but that was a really big part of it. <laughs> um, anyway, so that might ring a bell to some people. I have been programming for two, two and a half years, like really only serious programming for about a year if you include the boot camp. And then I've been in my job for eight months. And I got into Angular. Uh, I wanted to do Angular, um, which kind of helped me narrow down where I wanted to work because the place I work, uh, our front end is all in Angular. So I've been doing Angular for seven, eight months off and on. I don't do just Angular. Uh, we do like full stack JavaScript here. So I do Node and Angular. I have uh, good uh, tips and horror stories later on. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to your perspective since, uh, like, I personally, I do all Angular pretty much almost all the time. And so, yeah, having a perspective of somebody who doesn't use Angular all, all the time, that'll be awesome. And um, actually, I wanted to ask, um, so do you have any, like, of your competitions or anything from your figure, figure skating life that, like, people could go watch? Uh, luckily, I had a different name back then, so I <laughs> have to dig, and I'm not sharing. <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> nice. It was a long time ago. Um, I probably like you peak in that 
industry when you're like 15 or 16. So um, I was pretty young, and it was like before a lot of stuff was, you know, online and everything. So you'd have to dig. And then accepted. Cool. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, Olivier. <laughs> okay. So um, hi guys. Uh, my name is Olivier Combe. And um, hey, I live uh, in hey. Lyon, in France. Uh, it's a small city, the second city in France. Not uh, Paris, but it's nice here. And um, uh, I work uh, at a startup called DBI. Uh, we do uh, business intelligence, <laughs> which is a fancy name for uh, data analytics and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, I've been doing Angular for like uh, three years now, a uh, pretty long time. Um, uh, it started as an internal project uh, at the firm I was working on at that time, and I really didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't want it to, to continue using it because uh, it was, um, I found it maybe too bloated, but uh, Angular was uh, at version 1 something at the time, and it evolved. Uh, I came back to it like uh, six, months, six months later, and I found it really awesome. So I started working with it, and I haven't stopped since. Um, I've been doing software development for oh, almost 10 years now. <laughs> um, but uh, I started working professionally uh, six years ago, I think. And um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Ah, yeah. Uh, how, do, how can you know me? Uh, I've been working on uh, a lazy loading library named Aussie Lazy Load. Uh, and that's probably where you can know me from. And also uh, Angular Local, for, local Forage. Uh, which is the Angular adapter for local forage. Cool. Hey, uh, you're, you're making me feel like a total noob with your tenure <laughs> program. Well, you're younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks, Olivier. Um, so, Kara, why don't we go with you? I think you're actually the last one, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I'm Kara. I work at OpenTable. Um, on our restaurant products, so it's kind of um, not the consumer side that you would use to make reservations, but um, you know, front of house, inventory, that kind of thing. Um, and those are all Angular applications. Uh, and recently I've been working on a library of UI components in Angular um, to use kind of across our different Angular applications. Um, what else is there? Oh, I live in San Francisco. Um, and I guess I've been doing Angular, well I guess I started messing around with it about a year and a half ago, but only professionally when I started working at OpenTable, and that was about a year ago. Um, so, yeah, what else is there? I guess you'd know me from um, the ng-conf talk that I did, and pretty much it. <laughs> it was an aw awesome talk. Uh, I, that's definitely a recommended one for sure. So, cool. Um, all right, and I'll, I'll just introduce myself, I guess, uh, really quick, because I don't know if I've answered all these questions on the show before. So. Uh, I live in Utah, uh, in like the Salt Lake area. Uh, I currently work at a company called Alianza that totally rocks. Uh, we're voice over IP, 
And I am no longer the only UI developer here. We just hired somebody. I'm so happy about that. Uh, yeah, that's great. He started yesterday, and yeah, good stuff. Um, the community might know me from ng-air um, and from uh, uh, Angular Formly. I'm the uh, maintainer and owner of the Angular Formly library, and I do a couple other open source things. I really like being involved in that, and uh, I'm on Twitter and stuff. <laughs> so, um, and then I've been doing software development for like professionally for just a year. I just graduated from college a year ago, and then um, I, I, my first line of of code was like that actually ran and stuff um, was written about almost four years ago. So. Um, yeah, I, I got into Angular about two and a half years ago or so um, when I was working at Domo. Um, yeah, we, we migrated from Backbone to, to Angular, or we started. I think they're probably 50% done with that enormous app. Um, so yeah, that was good experience there. And then, um, yeah, totally love Angular. It's great. I'm super, super excited for Angular 2. Like, if you haven't tried it out, you got to, because it's so, so great. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's that's me. That's everybody. Um, and so let's go ahead and talk about some um, Angular horror stories. So um, I'll go ahead and just, just kick us off, um, just to get us in the mood of this uh, spooky episode. So um, how, how many of you guys have seen the dreaded um, A provider not found? Error. Yep. The worst. Never. Um, if you're not familiar with that um, terrible error, it's generally, you, you'll find that normally in uh, production when um, it's hardest to debug stuff. But basically, you've minified your code, and um, and because of the minification and you haven't like annotated your in injectable functions properly, you're uh, you're going to get this error that says, "Hey, I can't find the a provider because the minif minification changed your uh, function parameter names to a, b, c, um, and that is such a pain." So I remember one time in particular, I was working with Dave Geddes uh, at at Domo, and he was dealing with this um, this issue, and so I, I came over and we were looking at it, and what finally got us uh, pointed in the right direction was we took. And at Domo, that app, it's 150,000 lines of JavaScript. Um, that's not including like libraries and stuff. Like we were using Lodash and jQuery and Angular and like and Backbone and like oh, the wild. So we we took our built JavaScript file, which was huge, and we um, did a grep for uh, like it was it was this crazy grep. But we we knew what what our minifier was doing to our function, and so we could we had like this. Um, special grep pattern um, to to find functions that may or may not be um, injectable, like minified injectable functions that didn't have the right annotation. And man, that was just such a pain. So beware. Uh, make sure that you're annotating your functions properly. And and yeah, because that's that was a pretty scary experience. So um, who would like to uh, throw out another horror story? Well, I have one. If you want, <laughs> sure. Um, so um, uh, two years ago, I think uh, I was uh, I, I'm a, I was a UE developer like you. So I was doing the animation on a, a side panel, you know, uh, just um, coming in the in the from the left, uh, and um, 
the the new ng animate uh, stuff uh, just uh, was really brand new uh, i think it was still uh, in beta or something and i really wanted to use that so i started doing uh, the ng enter and stuff and uh, adding all the directives needed to animate my stuff uh, and um, it was really horrible uh, <laughs> i had to to work on this for like I don't know two days or something like that. Um, the documentation was was not really good, uh, and in the end, um, it was like uh, a bloated and bloated code with uh, a lot of uh, hooks and double bindings everywhere and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, my uh, my menu wasn't even uh, uh, coming really. Uh, Really nicely, uh, we had uh, yeah. It was it wasn't really good. So I said, screw it. Uh, I just do it with uh, CSS animations, and I did it in like uh, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, bottom line is, um, you may have tools to to do a lot of stuff in Angular, but you don't necessarily have to use it. Uh, sometimes you can just uh, rely on uh, good old uh, plain JavaScript and CSS, and it will be really better. I think that's a good pro tip you slid in there, too. Yeah, that's good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, anybody else have a horror story they'd like to share? I have a horror story. All right. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Carmen is going to hate me for that. <laughs> Sorry, Carmen. So uh, as we said just recently, we, we gave a talk at, a, at this conference here in Lugano, and we spoke about <laughs> we spoke about Angular 2 and um, the main reasoning behind some design decisions, especially when it comes to the template syntax. So things like brackets and parentheses and everything. So there are really reasons behind it, and 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 um, so we prepared, we prepared this talk. We have. Like we had a very very nice slide deck and everything, and at some point we also needed to actually practice the talk, like going over it and uh, thinking about who is going to talk about what, who is taking which part, and like we were both agreeing on, yeah, we don't want to make this, you know, this kind of thing that one talker takes this part, the other one takes that part, and then we go back and forth like that. We want we. Won't, Rather, with something like, like a casual uh, discussion and everything. So, it was really hard to to um, yeah practice that. And and at some point, like three three hours before our actual talk, we went back to the hotel room and actually, I I tried to convince her that it makes sense to really try that out. And um, yeah. It didn't really work out so well, this kind of preparation. So we both tried to talk about the stuff um, we wanted to talk about at the conference, and we somehow failed. So like all of a sudden, we didn't really know how to explain certain things. And, and, and then we also realized, hey, there are actually some things that are still unclear, and we actually have to find out what those are and why they are and everything. So um, there was a kind of horror story. We, I, think, I think that could have been better. <laughs> um, a pro tip I can share, actually. Am I allowed to do that? I only have 10%. Yeah, oh, come on. Your, your battery's going out. 
<laughs> right. No, so now you're, you're leaving everybody with the impression that it went really, really bad. <laughs> the, the talk was actually super good, uh, as, from my perspective. Right, I should add that. So on stage, then, actually, everything went out very well. So that was really weird. Like, I was like totally stoked that it worked out so good. But maybe maybe Carmen can can talk on that a bit later. I really have to hurry up here because now I have 9% left. Oh. So my pro tip. <clears throat> um, my pro tip is for Angular developers, um, go to the other webs and try to find out what bind to controller means in, in the uh, directive definition object because um, it is the best practice to use something like controller s in, in Angular applications in order to always have a namespace uh, in your in your view expressions. And so we want to use controller s syntax. We can also use controller s syntax in directives. So if this is a best practice, then also use controller s syntax for directives. And even one step further, use controllers instead of the link function if possible. So just get rid of link, get rid of compile if you don't need it. Like just don't care about the confusing stuff. Just use the directive controller. It's it's it gets called before the link function. You have access to scope, you have access to element and everything. Those are local injectables. And then use bind to controller and then just build directives with controllers and don't try to uh, confuse all those things. It's really easier to just have a directive that has a controller and a template, and that's it. It's more the Angular 2 way, I would say. That's my pro tip. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, uh, It's too bad that uh, Ted isn't here, because he wrote an article on this, uh, like, yesterday, I think, um, saying that you should use Angular Extend and not uh, controller as. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I didn't read that article, but I saw it, and I was kind of interested. So uh, go Google that. Todd Motto. Uh, Todd Motto. Yeah. I'm curious uh, as to the reasoning behind that. But um, anyway, I, I think, Pascal, I think your horror story seems a lot like um, Angular 2 uh, is, or part of, part of that is Angular 2 is bleeding edge, and we're the ones bleeding when we're using it. Is that <laughs> about the size of it? Well, the actual horror story is if you ever want to give a talk, prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! We also prepared. I actually, I don't, I don't fully agree with Pascal because I think that um, we had so many trouble. It's, it's not necessarily that things were not entirely clear to us, um, but it's because everything was really fresh. Like we also, we did a lot of reading for it, and he's been using it, and I, I wrote our uh, demo app. Um, and but it was just it was a lot of information in a rather short time. So then it, it's like, yeah, then it, it's it's a bit it's a bit hard. Like it it doesn't have time to sink in. So it, right. it just needs a bit of time. So I think that's why we had troubles with it because I was I was always like, yeah, I know this, but <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I mean, it's clear for me, but how do I make it clear for others? Maybe um, I should make clear that. It was really, I really needed to find something to tell a horror story. That's the only thing that came <laughs> the, the talk was awesome. The preparation went well. There was nothing going wrong. It's all good. <laughs> cool. uh, does anyone else have any horror stories that uh, you thought of or, or experienced with Angular? I think I have one. Go ahead. Um, OK, so this was a while ago, so I'm trying to remember the exact um, details of it. but. 
basically I was building this attribute directive to handle um, some modifiers that we're using for our CSS. Um, and I got it working, everything was working fine, um, and I had named it a certain way. I think it was like GC modifier changer or something like that. Um, and then we had an internal discussion and we decided, hey, let's, let's rename it core um, modifier changer, whatever it is. And suddenly nothing worked. And I couldn't figure it out. It was just a name change. So I spent maybe eight hours, and this is just me being a moron, but I spent maybe eight hours just changing the letters in the name one at a time. Okay, so if I change it to an E, it works. Great. Okay. But if I change it to a B, it doesn't work. Why? Um, and then finally I figured out um, it was because of where I was using it, the because um, it was an attribute directive, so it was being used in concert with uh, element directives. So I was changing it from being alphabetically after the element directive to being alphabetically before the element directory directive, and there was no priority set, so it was just kind of running in whatever priority. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it turned out to be an alphabet issue. <laughs> so, oh, um, so hot tip. <laughs> If you're um, building a directive that is meant to be used on the same element as other directives, make sure that you understand the priority that it needs to be run. doesn't mean that it needs to be set necessarily, but if you're having issues with that, yeah, good place to look. Cool. It looks like Pascal's got to jump out, so say goodbye, Captain Pascal. <laughs> goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Kara, that is terrifying. Power. <laughs> I was thinking that you were going to say that, like, you forgot to change the, the camel case name of the directive or something. Oh, um, that definitely happened too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Scary. Cool. Uh, anybody else have horror stories? Uh, I, I think I actually have two. <laughs> well, one is not such a big horror story. but um, So one of them, but I don't fully remember all the details, but we were working, I think, with a directive with isolated scopes. Um, and I don't know in what we were using it, but we were like we were supposed to show some data to get some data out of that directive, and it just it was just not showing for like for the life in it. It just didn't want it didn't want to show, and we were debug debugging. And I, I remember we were using Batarang, um, and the thing was just not attached to the scope. And we were looking like literally we took four hours. We were looping through all the scopes we had on the page to find that. A goddamn thing, and and like even until today, we don't know why it wasn't working. Like in the end, we 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 found some workaround, but it was just it just it just didn't want to work. It was so frustrating. But then we also realized um, the power of uh, Batarang. Then we were like, yeah, okay, we're gonna use this from now on. <laughs> so so that was one, and the second one was when we wrote our first service. We just we had no idea what had to go in there. Like I was watching Mishko's talk about services, and he had this like one of the first talks he gave, and it was about more things. Um, and he had these I, I will never forget these Zen moments in between subjects. <laughs> and then he had this part of about services and kind of what has to go in there, and it was just so unclear for us what 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 should go in there. And it was also in the beginning of Angular when documentation was very... Uh, documentation was kind of all you had, and that was not always very helpful. Um, and, yeah, there were there were n no blogs or uh, 
posts about that. So it was really a struggle for us and, um, to figure out what it is, what was all the difference between service and factory, which one we had to use, and what we should put in there, and how we should like think of which logic goes where. It was it was really a joy ride that one, but yeah. Also, that's why Shai included it in his ng watt talk. <laughs> the service provider factory constant value, like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but also just like the moral of the stories. Um, I always say that yeah, you know, if if you have questions now, you have so many articles and everything. Like the community is so proactive about writing about their findings, and back then it was so little what we had. So it's it's something that we should definitely not take for granted. That's kind of the scenario we find ourselves in with Angular too a little bit. But what's exactly. nice is we already like already there are tons of resources for Angular two. It's not even released, which is uh, so yeah. it's going to be different. Because mm -hmm. people like you, Carmen, giving talks at conferences. <laughs> yeah, prepare very well, as you all heard. <laughs> cool. Do we have any other horror stories? Uh, my, I don't know. I was trying to think of these horror stories. I guess mine, uh, yeah, it's not that bad. But I guess you could say, you know, because Angular is like in between opinionated, like it's a little opinionated, but not totally opinionated. Um, I don't know. One of the horror stories we have, like you know, we're we're building really really fast, trying to get um, some products out the door, and uh, just how easily your controllers can get bloated. And um, we had uh, like this one controller that was responsible for like pulling from one API and updating to multiple different APIs, but. Um, like the one object that was getting loaded onto the page that needed to get posted to these different APIs. Like each API had a different format, not just for the post body, but um, it needed to be camel case versus snake case. So like and this just slowly like bubbled up into just a huge gargantuan mess that needed to be refactored. And uh, I don't know. That would be my horror story. So. Uh, services, lots of services, and don't just start over time like blowing up your controller. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all refactored a, a huge controller before. <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> cool. So um, we've we've talked about some horror stories. There there are still more like the ng if ng model with no dot scariness and ng controller and all like there are a lot of. Uh, well, if if you want to know more, go to to ngconf and see the ngwatt talk. Uh, there are a lot of weird things about Angular, but we still love it. And um, so I want to quickly talk about why we, why we love Angular so much, even with all these horror stories that we've had, um, and, and then talk about Angular pro tips. So uh, for me, why I love Angular anyway is, um, like, um, yes, the Angular has kind of a DSL with the template syntax, and, and yes, there like there's definitely a learning curve after like the first little bit, you know, after your first ng show, and you're like, wow, that's so cool and two-way binding. Um, after after that first little bit, there's like this huge learning curve that you got to kind of figure out how is Angular treating things, and then Angular doesn't really enforce um, you writing your code in the way that uh, that you ought to, um, like. Um, without all of that, like getting past all of that, Angular is an insanely powerful framework, um, and it it makes it can make you so productive. Um, 
And so, and then like the community is is so awesome. Your one eight hundred number, as Aaron Frost would say, is like a terrific uh, community. Um, and I, I think community is a big piece of of why I love Angular so much. Um, and then also, um, like once you know it, um, then you like you're just so empowered to do um, some some pretty awesome things. So that's that's one of the reasons I love Angular anyway. Oh man, I was thinking I should talk before Carmen because I want to say that I love Angular because of the community, and she would probably say the same. And then you just you just did it. Before. I took it away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's why I love uh, Angular because um, I don't know. It's not it's not that the community is big; it's that um, we're all just so friendly and. And welcoming, and well, we can we can do whatever we want, and people just uh, just jump in and help you, and uh, it's cool. Yeah, you know, I like that, that note, a lot. On that note, I've I've noticed uh, as a change in the JavaScript community in general that, like, it seems like um, there's a lot more collaboration between Angular and React and Ember communities in general, which I think is a really really awesome shift. Um, like um, abstracting away the uh, like all these libraries that we're building, I think it's a terrific idea to abstract away um, the whatever framework you build it on, and so it can be used across frameworks. Um, and and then uh, like the framework itself, and I've noticed that happening in a couple libraries. But then the framework itself, uh, the authors of the framework are collaborating with authors of other frameworks um, and libraries, and I, I just think that's that's way awesome. But um, yeah, anyway, that was just a thought that popped into my head. Um, does anybody else want to talk about why they still love Angular despite the horror stories? I actually want to add to your idea because uh, that's precisely one of the things that I, during my talk at NGNL, I, I wanted to stress out very much that um, I think us as developers in the end all have this main goal of moving the web forward and then it doesn't matter if you're the author of one framework or the author of another framework because in the end our goal should be the same so then I find it for me it's it's so it's so normal that people would just work with each other because you have the same goal and um, sure you have different approaches but everybody can learn from everybody and I really like that Angular is doing this I, I really like this and because I'm wondering many times what makes the Angular community what it is. Uh, like how come people are so generous with each other or how come people are just so um, together and everybody loves, I mean everybody whom I've spoke, spoken with, everybody loves this community. So I was, I was always wondering like what is it? And I really think that the core team does a very good job in kind of setting this tone. Um, also what we saw at ng-conf um, the fact that they're reaching out to other teams and um, sort of setting up a common front or a, 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 yeah, it's I, th I find it very inspiring and I, I really think that that sets up the tone. So yeah, kudos for that. Cool. Uh, yeah, so what are we gonna talk about on, on uh, forums and Twitter if we don't have uh, flame walls and stuff like that between Angular and uh, the React uh, community and stuff like that. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we won't have anything to say except um, this is how you build something awesome. <laughs> so, cool. Uh, any other reasons we still love Angular despite horror stories? <laughs> uh, actually, you know, one thing that I, um, just kind of going along with the, this collaboration theme, I guess, is uh, I feel like Angular 2 is moving much more in the direction of um, let's utilize JavaScript as much as we can and make it so that when people build Angular applications, there are less Angular applications and more JavaScript applications. Um, so, like, obviously, um, Angular is, uh, like, a huge part of Angular is the view portion of, uh, of your app. And so it's, it's really hard to, like, one of the things that Angular does really well is abstract away the complexities of uh, dealing with the DOM. And so, and I think that's what most frameworks do um, in general, like React, that's like the, their thing. Um, so I, I feel like Angular 2 is kind of stepping away from your application a little bit to give you more freedom um, uh, and like enable you to just write an a, a JavaScript application which is enabling this kind of collaboration between the frameworks, um, which I think is so cool. So, yep. so yeah, the, the team behind Angular, uh, the Google team, is really uh, listening to what you can say. Uh, I was reading on Twitter uh, two days ago um, a post from Brad uh, when he was talking about um, new stuff and what was going on in at uh, meetings, and um, someone asked uh, for, um, I, I don't remember what it was, but he said, uh, you really need to add this to Angular 2 because, oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, you need to add uh, form support for uh, uh, file inputs because uh, uh, it's, it's really something that, that we need. And uh, uh, Brad said, uh, replied and he said, um, uh, you know what, um, that's a good idea. I, I talked to the material uh, UI team and we'll add this to the next uh, meeting and we'll talk about this. So yeah, they're listening and if you if you want to to ask for something, probably they, they just add it if they can or maybe tell you what you can do to do that. Yeah, prompts to the, the team. I just really impressed by those guys. That's cool. Cool. Um, any other thoughts before we get into pro tips? Okay. Let's go ahead and jump in. So um, I'm going to pick and choose who goes first on this one. Um, so be prepared. Um, Olivier, why don't you go ahead and, and give us the, the pro tip first? Well, <laughs> I gave my pro tip at the, <laughs> the last, uh, at my last talk on NGO. Um, Maybe I should try a new one. Um, oh, I know, I know. Uh, don't forget to add the unit test and uh, <laughs> use Protractor for end-to-end -end testing. Uh, uh. It's really awesome. Uh, I think I've yeah yeah I've been using um, Protractor for my for test uh, on JavaScript that is not even Angular. Uh, Angular code and it's working well as well. So it's been saving my ass a few times now um, on my lips and on, at work. So don't forget to to add tests and try to convince your boss that uh, it's not wasted time. Uh, in fact, you're you're just uh, saving uh, 
saving time for the future. Cool. Yeah, and if, if anybody's interested in uh, Protractor, we had an episode last week about Protractor. Uh, and Well, not just Protractor, but uh, unit tests and end-to-end. -end. So, yeah, good tip. Um, Amy, why don't we hear your t uh, pro tip? Uh, so my pro tip, we do, we do do testing and we use Protractor. So um, one thing when I got here, our, you know, our end-to-end tests or selenium tests were just like super slow. So we looked around at ways to uh, mock out our backend. Now some people like maybe don't want to do this. It depends kind of what your approach is and what you're actually wanting to test. Whereas we were just wanting to test like kind of behavior on the page. So the backend, like hitting the backend didn't actually matter. Um, so we use a library to mock out all of our backend calls. It's called HTTP backend proxy. So you can, it's uses HTTP backend, but uh, calls, like, uses Protractor um, to do this so that you can actually just define, like, whenever you call an endpoint, uh, you can define what you expect it to return, so you can, like, functionally test all of your errors and just all of these different edge cases by just supplying whatever you want to come back in the response body. So my pro tip would be to look at that if it sounds like something you'd be interested in. Cool, I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I'll go ahead and give mine really quick. Uh, so my pro tip is um, wrap your dependencies. So um, try to write as much JavaScript as possible and less uh, framework or library specific code. So what I mean by that is um, I, I have a couple of examples. So I'm the author of Angular Formally, or not the author, uh, I should make that distinction. Uh, I'm the maintainer of Angular Formally um, and the owner of the project now. Um, but even I um, don't use uh, the Formally form directive in my app except in one place. Um, and that's in another directive called the AZ form, um, and that is my abstraction on top of my own library. And uh, the reason that that is um, a good idea, and, and it's not just uh, Angular Formula that I do this for. I, I do this for UI Router, um, and, and it's not just directives either. Like, I do this for AZ Translate, or for uh, the Angular Translate. I use AZ Translate instead uh, for the filter and the service. Um, the reason this is a good idea is um, if something comes around, uh, for example, the new router that is better than what you're using currently, the upgrade path is going to be like a real pain in the rear for you, um, but if you um, if you wrap your dependencies, then um, um, like that that API you're only using that API in one place. And so if you decide, hey, I'm going to switch for you from UI router to the new router, um, that change will be a lot easier because you just have to go to one place where that uh, that API is is being touched. And so making upgrades um, is a lot easier. And and one person that's done this ex like way beyond anything that um, anybody I've heard is uh, um, Jeff Welpley, who we'll have on the show next week, uh, has built an entire framework on top of uh, Angular to do some pretty wild things that probably not a lot of us uh, need to do. But um, anyway, he's basically abstracted Angular from his entire application code base, even the view layer, which is like wild. Um, so yeah, we can ask him about that next week. But Wrapping dependencies is just a good idea, not just in Angular, but in everything. Um, but I, yeah, can't stress that enough. Wrap your dependencies, even your own. Like so, by doing that, you can say that you have uh, 100k uh, lines of code in your application. So that's cool. 
Well, we're sorry, we're, I, I think I misunderstood. Yeah, you said earlier that you had a, a big application with more than 100k lines of code. So maybe that helps. Oh, well, yeah. So my actually, the application I'm working on right now is around 25k. Um, so yeah, but even like, yeah, if you're going to build a small like weekend app or, or a couple weeks or something, then yeah, maybe that, that really, like, that would be a waste of time to wrap dependencies in that kind of a situ situation. But like, if this is something that has business value and, and you're like concerned with or, or you're interested in making sure that it's easy to upgrade things and you want to be able to maintain stuff, um, then yeah, wrap your dependencies. I think it's not all of them. I don't wrap all my dependencies. Uh, I, I think that would maybe not be silly. But if it's something that like is going to touch a lot of my app, um, then I, I think um, at least think about like the value of, of wrapping your dependencies. So that's my pro tip. Um, Kara, why don't we go with uh, go to you for a pro tip? Um, I guess I would say this is kind of a broader thing, but um, especially when you're first starting out with Angular, uh, it's to really get to know the directive lifecycle and how different directives will execute or the order of their execution um, depending on where they are in the DOM and their priority. Um, it's just saved me so much trouble over time and so much debugging. Um, being able to trace, especially with the component library, where you have like things nested in other things and like, the transcoding other things, um, to kind of understand, okay, well, this is going to compile before this, you know, but this is going to link after this. Um, so, I, pro tip would be just get really familiar with uh, that order. So. And if there's a good resource out there, I would say your slides from ngconf um, were uh, a really good like illustration of of what order directives like run in. Is that yeah, and no, I mean, I think that's a good place to start. But even just, um, like, let's say you have, I mean, the most simple thing is, you know, one directive. But then let's say you have then you have, you know, two subsequent directives, or then you have two directives on the same element, and then you have, you know, a directive, and then a directive that's transcluded into that directive, and then a directive in the template of the first directive. Like, what order those compile in, and what order those link in. It gets pretty complicated pretty quickly, um, and it gets kind of confusing to think about, but if you if you really start to, you know, drill down into it, it, it just makes debugging really easy. So. Cool. Awesome. Carmen, what uh, pro tip do you have for us? Um, I actually wanted to mention the testing, but Olivia was faster <laughs> than me. But I still want to say it again. I, I think testing is super, super important. So write unit tests and end-to-end tests. It will save your ass, like, really. And don't do it once you've already developed like a big part of your app because that's going to be very painful, but really start with it. And that will also also help you understand how Angular works. Um, yeah, so that, that really helped me. Uh, but I actually want to give another one, and that's um, learn web components so that you can have it have a much easier life in understanding uh, some basic concepts of Angular 2. So really learn web components. It has helped me personally tremendously when reading into Angular 2, the fact that I already knew stuff about web components. And then I was like, aha, that's why. <laughs> so yeah, learn web components. Great. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was one of the guys who was postponing uh, learning web components. Like, I don't know if this is really going to be a thing or like if the community is going to adopt this. But it, yeah, um, after even playing around with Angular two, like you see, oh yeah, yeah, yeah lots of value there. So. Yeah, I had to give a talk about them last year, and that's actually how I how I went into them, and now I'm really happy I did. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, uh, so let's. Uh, let's wrap up this uh, really quick. We don't have any questions in the Q&A, so uh, those of you viewers, if, if you wanted to ask a question, now is your opportunity because we're going to move on. Um, so uh, we're each going to answer the question uh, as part of our closing uh, of each show. We, ask, we answer the question, what tip would you give a brand new developer? I'll go ahead and, and start. Um, so um, my tip would be um, find a meetup that is in your area and go. And even better, um, extra credit is speak. So uh, my first talk that I ever gave was about a library that I wrote. Um, and so I, but my second talk <laughs> that, I'm, uh, that, I ever, that I gave was at a, a Google developer group here in Utah. Um, and we, I was just in a meetup. And they said, hey, who wants to speak next month? And, um, and somebody said, well, I don't want to speak, but I'd like to hear something about karma. Um, and I was, I was thinking, like, I have heard the word karma before. I think it like, has to do with if you do bad things, bad things come. <laughs> so I, um, I was like, sure, I'll talk about karma. So I didn't know anything about karma um, at that time. And, um, and like, it's a meetup. Like, we're, we're all learning together. And so um, in the next month, I learned about karma, and I gave a talk, and, and people um, found things uh, valuable. So, anyway, uh, that's my my tip to a, a new developer: is uh, speak at meetups and go to meetups. So, um, Kara, why don't uh, why don't we go with you? What's do you have a tip for a new developer? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, are these new developers just you know at a company or just people that are? Whether it's uh, like new to Angular or like just starting out developing, uh, lots of times we'll give a, a tip to a new developer, and an old-time developer will be like, "Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that." So, yeah. But well, I was just gonna say, um, like if if you do, you know, if you do have like a mentor, or, like a senior developer that you know, um, I would definitely say ask for the most brutal or brutal, brutal code reviews that you can get. Um, so that's kind of what I did when I started. I was just like murder my pull requests, just slaughter them. Like nothing is too nitpicky, nothing is too small. Like just murder them. And I find that I got a lot more feedback. Um, so if you have, you know, that that luxury of someone that you can ask to look at your code, definitely do that. Um, and then if you don't, I would just say join Twitter. Um, sounds. I was really resistant to joining because I I was in the initial Twitter wave like years ago, and people were just tweeting about pop tarts and like. <laughs> my dog, <laughs> but now there's just so many great people to follow. Um, it's like a great way to find good content. So. Cool, thanks, Olivier. Um, I would say um, try to find a good idea and work on your on your own at home on a on a spe special project uh, with uh, new technologies when you're trying to learn them because. Just reading stuff online isn't enough. You have to try uh, to to learn things. Otherwise, you will just uh, read it and forget it. So always keep a list of uh, ideas of stuff that you would like to do. And just take one idea when you need to try something. 
and write uh, write an app on it. That's the best the the best way that I know to to learn new stuff. Great, um, Carmen. Um, we had a teacher in school who used to say, "Don't try, just do." <laughs> so I would I would say the same thing. Don't don't try to do it, just do it. Um, and it's and while doing it, if you fail, that's totally fine. The failure means that you will learn a lot of stuff. So fail. Do and fail, and then you'll learn the most out of it. And never, never stop being curious, and never stop asking, never stop asking questions. That's very important. Ask as many questions as you can. Yeah, that would be. It. Thanks, uh, and Amy. Uh, I guess my advice. I feel like some of it's already been covered, but um, Probably there is like such a plethora of things to learn right now, uh, especially in JavaScript, as we all know. Um, so for somebody new, I would say um, try to pick a technology that you think is really exciting and focus on that for a given period of time because it's easy to jump around to like the next big thing um, and kind of be like a master of, of none and you're just like, you know, jumping around from thing to thing to thing and never really learning something in depth. So that would be uh, my advice. And then to build on the advice you said about joining meetups, um, listen to podcasts because it will, uh, you know, slowly but surely if you're new, I have found that I go to all these different things and I start like, you know, I get one tidbit of information here and one tidbit of information there and over time you start to put those puzzle pieces together. Awesome. Yeah, actually, um, if everybody, like, uh, I'm sure we all have some of the favorite podcasts that we'd like to listen to. If you, you could, on the Hangout event, just comment the uh, couple links of the podcast that you guys listen to. That'd be awesome. And then uh, we actually do have a question somebody asked. Uh, this question is, um, this question is for Kara. Would you mind sharing a link to the UI component library? Thanks. Uh, so, Kara, if you could put that, probably just put it in the event as a comment. Um, then uh, Jürgen van de Moore, or Jürgen van de Moore, I hope I said your name right. Then he would appreciate it. <laughs> okay, is, is that the open table one? Is that? Uh, you, I think he's talking about the UI component library that you're working on. What, uh, maybe if you have multiple, probably just post them all. <laughs> I think it's, it's still internal right now. Um, we're working on getting it released, but as soon as we do, I'll definitely uh, make sure it's public. So. All right. So follow Kara for the win uh, on Twitter to stay up to date with uh, when that comes open source. Then. So. All right. Yeah, just can't. Um, your yeah. your mic is doing weird noise. So. Oh. Um. Sorry. Is that better? No. Nope. Really. <laughs> well, that's our show. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry if my mic is going crazy. I'll jiggle this. Um, but uh, again, our, we have a show next week, April 28th, with uh, Jeff Welpley, uh, Patrick uh, Stapleton, and John, uh, Rob Wormold about Angular 2 Alpha. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to find out more. So thanks, everybody, for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. See you next week. See you, See you next week.